Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. We are doing a series entitled 2020 Vision, The Church We See and Want to Be. And I want to tell you that today we're going to talk about following Jesus because God has called all of us to make disciples. I I ran into a quote this week that uh, says this, true discipleship, or I would qualify it and say disciple making, is about inviting someone to the table, providing a feast, and then teaching them to feed themselves so they can prepare a meal for someone else. Now that's loaded. Let me read that one more time for good measure. True discipleship or disciple making is about inviting someone to the table, providing a feast, and then teaching them to feed themselves so they can prepare a meal for someone else. That's what God has called us to do. Now what does a a disciple or a follower of Jesus look like? I think we've got to define our terms. We've got to paint a picture. Uh, what is the litmus test of identifying a disciple of Jesus? As that video said, many people that, that will outwardly with their lips say yes to Jesus and their hearts say, no, God, I don't want to do that. And the, the Bible is full of examples uh, like that. You know, Joey, even though he knew the Lord and loved the Lord, he had a moment where he said, God, I really don't want to do that. And instead of going to Nineveh, he went the other way. Um, what is the litmus test of identifying a disciple of Jesus? Is it Bible knowledge? For years we've, for years we've practiced that. Uh, as long as you know that the Sunday school answer is Jesus, uh, then you're like, hey, all right, you know a lot about the Bible. Uh, and then uh, there, not only Bible knowledge, but church attendance. You know, if you, if you come to church, then you're doing all right, right? Well, don't get me wrong. Bible uh, is good. Church is good. But just because I go to McDonald's doesn't make me a hamburger. Just because I go to Chick-fil-A doesn't make me a chicken sandwich. Got to get that in there too, right? All of you that have enjoyed that this week, they're closed on Sundays, so you're not going there today, right? Uh, but um, what else is there that distinguishes a disciple of Jesus? You might say, well, somebody that's got a moral life, you know. Well, you know, that's, that's good and that's important, but I don't think we're at the heart of the issue. Wouldn't it be great if we could just go to the Bible and ask Jesus, Jesus, what is a disciple? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because he told us what is a disciple. I want you to turn to the Gospel of John, and we're going to look at three different passages very, very quick. Uh, John chapter 8 is the first one, and I want to read just a few verses uh, from John 8, 13, and 15, about four verses in all, actually. And uh, I want you to very quickly get a sense of what a disciple is according to Jesus. There in John 8, verse 31, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. Okay? Again, Jesus said, If you continue in my word, you really are whose disciples? My disciples, says Jesus. All right, now turn a few pages to John 13. 
In John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus says something else about being a disciple. In John 13, 34, he says, I give you a new command, love one another, just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, here Jesus says that loving one another is a new command. If you know your Bible, you know it's actually an old command. But Jesus said it was a new command. So there must have been something that he did to make it different, to make it new. And it is. The old command in the Old Testament of loving one another is to love your neighbor as your Self, correct? But here Jesus says, I'm giving you a new command. Love one another. And if you know your Bible, you go, well, that's not new. But then what he says next is very new. He says, just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. Now that's taking it to a whole new level. God is raising our, he's raising the bar on our understanding of love. It's one thing for me to love my neighbor as I would love myself. But now Jesus is saying, I want you to love others the way I love you. He just raised the bar. Because how did he love us? Romans 5, 8, he demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Sacrificial love that has what's best for the other person at heart, even if it costs you and I something. One more verse, John 15. In John 15, Jesus is talking. He's using an analogy of being, uh, he's the vine and we're the branches. He's, he's using a, a, a gardening uh, analogy. And in John 15, verse 8, he makes this statement. My father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Now, one thing I hope you caught in John 8, John 13, and John 15, in those three different places we read in the Gospel of John, just very quickly, in each case, Jesus is talking. He's saying something about what it means to be his disciple, or to use his words, my disciples. And so Jesus is putting his stamp of approval on what it looks like, what is involved in being his disciple. And there's three things. According to John 8, we must continue in God's word. We must continue in God's word. A, a, a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, is somebody that obeys Jesus in everything he said, everything he taught us. We continue in his word. Uh, the second thing that a disciple does is he loves. He loves people. He loves people the way Jesus would love people. Wow, now that's something, isn't it? In a culture today that wants to talk about love, we have to define what is love. What are you talking about? What, what does that even mean? What does it look like? According to Scripture, it looks like Jesus going to the cross. That's how serious he is about love. He laid down his life for you and me, and it cost him something. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave his one and only Son, who laid down his life and died on that cross for your sins and mine. And also, we bear fruit, according to John 15, verse 8. Now, putting all that together, we'll ask the question again. 
how do you and I identify a disciple of Jesus? Well, I would say it this way. We know that we're a disciple of Jesus if we continue in his word. See, go back to John 8, 31 again. What does it say? It says, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciple. So how do I know if I'm a disciple? I must continue in his teaching. I must continue to obey God's word and obey Jesus. That's how I know that I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm trusting and obeying him. That, that's how I know. Now, how do other people know? that I am a follower of Jesus. That's what John 13 says. He says that by this, John 13, 35, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Isn't that good? I know I'm a disciple of Jesus because I'm trusting and obeying God's word. I'm continuing in his teachings. I'm doing what Jesus commanded me to do. But how do you know I'm a disciple? And how does everybody know that we're disciples? Because we love other people with the love of Jesus. That's how they know. Matter of fact, Jesus felt so strong about this. I could take you to John 17 when he talked about unity. And he talked about love and he talked about unity. And he says, that's how the world will know that I was sent. It's because you're going to be one. And you're going to be loving other people. I tell you what, when we are unified in Christ, when we have a love for one another, that is the best witness that you and I can have. It is the best witness. And God will bless that witness. Well, I know I'm a disciple of Jesus if I continue in, in God's word, continue to trust and obey God's teaching. Everybody knows that we're disciples if we love other people the way Jesus did. And then how do we prove that we're a disciple? Show me proof. John 15, 8, he says, My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. If you bear fruit, you prove that you are a disciple. Now, you can talk to people that say, Well, what kind of fruit are we talking about here? Are we talking about... Um, are we talking about... Um, the fruit of spiritual maturity where we're growing up in our faith? I would say yes. But aren't we also talking about spiritual reproduction and sharing the gospel with other people and seeing it multiply? And I would say yes. I don't think it has to be either or. I think it can be both and. How do you and I bear fruit? Well, first of all, we bear fruit when we walk in the Holy Spirit of God and our life begins to look like Jesus then we are bearing fruit. But also, when we share the good news about Christ with other people and see uh, them come to a point to where they trust Jesus too, that's also bearing fruit. And so I don't think it's either or. I think it's both then. And when you and I are walking in the Spirit and, and we're displaying the fruit of the Spirit, and when we are bearing fruit for the Lord because we're sharing the gospel and other people are coming to believe... What more fruit do you need to prove that someone is a disciple of Jesus? So when you look at what Jesus said about being disciple, it is straight, it is plain, it is very clear what a disciple is. Someone that continues in God's word, that loves other people the way he would, and bears fruit. Now, 
As I said this morning, God has called us to follow Jesus. Last week, we talked about finding Jesus. We need to be able to be a witness. We need to be a light. We need to share with others what God has done in our lives so that they can find Jesus. But we don't want them just to hear that good news and go, oh, that's great. We want them to trust and and obey. We want them to trust and follow Jesus for a lifetime. Following Jesus. I want you to go to one more verse that I can use to define what a disciple is. It's found in the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 19. And in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, the scene is Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee. He's on the side of the sea. And he sees two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and his brother Andrew. And they're fishermen. They're casting a net into the sea because they were fishermen by trade. And then in Matthew 4, 19, Jesus told them, Follow me and I will make you fish for people. Or as the King James says, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, they knew how to catch fish. But Jesus was calling them to something different. I'm going to show you how to catch people by sharing the good news so that they can be saved from an eternal damnation of hell. Now, here is the definition in this call uh, of follow me and I will make you a fisher of man. Are you following Jesus Christ? Because a disciple of Jesus is someone who's devoted to him. Jesus says, follow me. You know, we have talked so much through the years about the plan of salvation. And I think we need to talk more about the man of salvation, and that's Jesus Christ. Because Jesus says, follow me. Come to me. Follow me. It's that simple. Just come to Jesus, trust, and follow him. And if you get that right, you've got it right. And so when it comes to uh, a disciple of Jesus, it's someone who is devoted to Jesus. They are following him. They've answered a call to trust and follow Jesus. The second thing about a disciple is look what Jesus says in the call here to to, uh, Peter. He says, follow me and I will make you. Now that has encouraged me ever since I've said yes to Jesus. Why? Why? You've heard me say this many times, that childhood song, He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Well, guess what? He's not done with you and me yet. I mean, we get saved, and we can look forward to the day that we get to go to heaven, but listen, He has given us His Holy Spirit. He has called us to live a holy life, and He's got things that He wants us to do right here, right now, while we have this life in this world, on this earth. And so He says, follow me, and I will make you. In other words, the second part of the definition of a disciple, not only is a disciple of Jesus devoted to Jesus, but he's developing into the likeness of Jesus. Someone who is a disciple of Jesus is going to look like Jesus. Jesus said a servant is not above his master, a a student is not above his teacher, and a matter of fact, they ought to look like their leader. And so when you and I follow Jesus, we're going to look like our leader. We're going to grow and develop into the likeness of Jesus. After we've been walking many years with God, people ought to look at us and see Jesus because we become more and more like him. They can see the family resemblance, if you will. And the third thing, go back to verse 19, Matthew 4, 19. Follow me and I will make you 
fishers of men. I will make you fish for people. That's the mission. That is the mission. And so a disciple of Jesus is someone who's devoted to Jesus. Someone who's developing into the likeness of Jesus. And the third thing, someone that is deployed to do the mission of Jesus. His mission was to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to give his life so that you and I could be saved. And so he's deploying us into that mission. Matter of fact, in the Gospels, he says, as I was sent, now I am sending you. And he's deploying us to do his mission. I want to tell you something. We have made baptism the finish line. There was a study done in our own Southern Baptist Convention just about two or three years ago. Robbie Galatay, pastor in Tennessee of Long Hollow Baptist Church, he was the chair of this particular group of men that looked at all the stats and figures that over, I forget what it was, I think it was a 20-year span of Southern Baptist history, we saw like 7.1, I think, million decisions for Jesus. And you go, man, that's awesome. But then when they looked at the membership of Southern Baptist churches, we lost like 20 or 100 or something thousand people. So we reached millions of people and we lost thousands of people. I don't know about you, but if I was putting that in fishermen's terms, I would say we caught a lot of fish, but there was a hole in our net. And when we got them to the shore, they're gone. Something is not right. I think we have focused on decision, 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 and we haven't emphasized what a disciple is, someone that's devoted to Jesus. They say, Lord, I'm going to answer that call. I'm going to follow you. And Lord, because I'm following you, you're going to make me. You're going to make me look more like you. Each day of my life, each month of my life, each year of my life that I walk with you, I'm going to look more like you then than I am now because you're at work in my life. And not only that, God, but you're going to make me into a fisher of men. You're deploying me to go out and do your mission and tell other people about you. I call it a 3D disciple. That's what it is, a 3D disciple, someone who's devoted to Christ, who's developing into the likeness of Christ, and they're deployed to do the mission of Christ, a 3D disciple. And that's what God is calling us to do. You know, bottom line, this message is a vision message. 2020, the year 2020, here we are. And what is the vision for our church? Where where do I see the Holy Spirit stirring in our hearts? Where, Where do I feel like God is calling us to really lock in our focus and to start moving towards something? It's this right here. Go ahead, Tammy, and put that up. It's the discipleship pathway. I don't know about you, but I'm a visual person by nature. And uh, they say a picture is worth a thousand words. And so when you look at that picture there on the screen, start there with the green square connecting to God. If we were to clarify the process of what are we trying to do when we come to church on Sundays and Wednesdays and so forth, what are we trying to do? Well, if you were to look at this as a process, the green square is connecting to God. When we come together and worship every week, uh, we're connecting to God. And then grow together. You know, in our Sunday school groups and our Bible studies that we just had this last hour, we are growing together. We're, we're doing life together. We're, we're, we're having conversations around God's Word. We're, we're sharing a little bit about what's going on in our lives. We're loving on each other. We're praying for each other. We're growing together. Because the same God who says, love me, says, love your brother. And so we're connecting to God. We're growing together. And then that red square is ma- 
making disciples. And I'll clarify what I mean by that in a minute, but making disciples. And I believe the best way when I look at Scripture, at how Jesus did it, when I look at church history and who was the best at it, and when I look at what God is doing today, uh, making disciples through yearly D groups of three to, five, three to five people. In other words, a D group is three to five people that make the commitment to each other that we're going to meet regularly for a few months, and we're going to have some really transparent conversations with each other. They're going to center around God's Word. We're going to pray for each other. We're going to encourage each other when we need it. We're going to challenge each other when we need it. We're going to have that relationship to where just three or four people at a table, we're going to have transparency. We're going to be open and honest about what's going on in our lives, and we're going to be there for each other. And we're going to make sure that we do what Jesus commanded us to do, which is to teach them to obey. You know, so many times we, we think it says teach them doctrine, teach them instruction, teach them this, teach them that. Ultimately, it's called teach them to obey. If you don't do it, then you really don't know it. Hello? Did you hear that? If you don't do it, then you really don't know it. I would rather talk to someone who has done it than read the book about it. Believe it or not, because I know I'm the nerd, I like to read the books too. But I would, rather, I would rather have the experiential knowledge of actually doing it than to have the mental ascent of, oh yeah, I, I know that, I, I've heard of that, I've read about that. No, Jesus says to teach others to obey Him in everything. We have to learn how to obey God in every area of our life. And if we're truly going to obey God in every area of our life, then I don't know about you, but we need some eyeballs, two, three, two or three people, that we can regularly get together with, and we can help one another with that. And then the, the bottom square there, the yellow, is serving the world. So we connect with God, we grow together, we make disciples, and then we serve the world through missions and evangelism and just volunteering in general. And that is the process, that is the pathway that we want to use in order to make disciples, 3D disciples, disciples that are devoted to Christ, that are developing into the likeness of Christ, and that are deployed to do the mission of Christ. Now, out of all that part, you go, well, that makes sense, but I'm not sure about that red square. I've never heard of this, uh, what you're talking about, making disciples through yearly D groups of three to five people. What in the world are you talking about? Well, let me give you a quick snapshot, very quick. Jesus did it. Peter, James, and John. Out of his 12 disciples, he had an inner circle of Peter, James, and John. And they did a few things that the others didn't. They saw him transfigured on the mountain. They saw him go behind closed doors with a mom and dad whose, whose daughter had died, and they saw him raise her back to life. There were a few experiences that they had that the others didn't, and that was, I would, I would say that was Jesus' D group because he was having those transparent conversations with them. And then, of course, um, in church history, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, uh, what was the difference between Wesley and Whitfield? 
uh, back in the 1700s when we had the spiritual great awakening in our country where the gospel was being preached by circuit preachers. They were just tr- making a trailblaze through the, this wonderful great nation of ours and people were hearing the gospel and they were getting saved. George Whitfield, he would gather a crowd, he would preach to them, he would see people make decisions for Christ and he says, I gotta go, there's more people that still haven't heard. And he would rush to the next town and he would do the same thing and the same thing and the same thing. Wesley did the same thing too, but he did one thing different. One thing different. And that's what makes Wesley the genius. Because Wesley knew before I come, Wesley would go and he would preach to people and they would hear the gospel and they would get saved. And he says, before I go to the next town and the next community and do the same, when I leave here, what are they going to do? And so he organized a system he organized a system, and they had a, a, a congregational system where they, they met together and assembled for worship. And then he organized a system to where they broke up into smaller groups or classes and had Bible study. And then he went one more. He called them bands, B-A-N-D-S, and they didn't play music. But he called them bands, and it was three or four people And they would meet for prayer and encouragement. And they would ask each other questions. Are you doing what God's telling you to do? Hey, did you read your Bible? Did you do this? And how about this? And how about that? But it was in the context of love. It was in the context of relationship. It was in the context of trust and transparency. And because of that, everywhere George, uh, not George Whitfield, but everywhere John Wesley went, they planted a church. And everywhere he went, they planted a church. And you know what? What he built lasted. Why? Because he had, he had a discipleship pathway where people could connect to God, putting it in our terms today, connect to God, grow together, and make disciples. And that equipped them to serve the world and make a difference for the gospel. So what does it mean? Um, I will say it this way. How many of you like golf? Don't be shy. I know a few of you do. Uh, I like putt-putt. Uh, I played a little bit of golf in college. Danny knows how little that is. Uh, but when it comes to, to golf, have you ever wondered why they have that bag full of all those clubs? I mean, isn't one or two enough? You know, if we were going hunting, we wouldn't take 20 guns, right? I mean, unless you just really wanted to light it up, I guess. But, but hey... Here, here, is, um, here is this golf, and you've got this bag full of clubs. And now here's the point. It takes more than one club to do the job. Consider the clubs they use. You've got the drivers, those big fat ones, and they swing it, and guess what? It really makes that ball go down the fairway. And then you've got the irons that are a balance between distance and finesse, and it gets you onto the green. And then, once you get onto the green and you can see the hole, then you get that putter, don't you? And that is made for precision. You want to get that 10-foot shot the very first try. And so you've got these drivers, you've got these irons, and you've got these putters. Well, can I tell you something? In church, when it comes to making disciples, we need more than just one kind of tool. In the worship gathering that we're in right now, that is like your driver that moves the ball down the field. And then when we have Sunday school, when we have small group Bible studies, uh, many of you were in this last hour, that is like the irons 
that gets you onto the green. But then we need putters. We need that small group of three or four people that can be transparent with one another, that begin to trust one another, so that we can have these conversations we need to go the distance. Now, if you ever see guys practicing golf, so I'm told, the amateurs usually swing with their drivers, but the real pros are practicing with their irons and their putting game. And so too many churches today have the, uh, the flashy drivers. They have the worship service, and they even have the Sunday school, but they lack the putter. And that's a problem when it comes to making disciples because the real work takes place when you have putter-type conversations. You need two or three people in your life that you can call when something happens. You need those two or three people that you can call together and form a circle and you can pray, no questions asked. You need those two or three people that will look you in the eye and they will tell you the truth when you don't want to hear it. And they'll do it because they love you. They'll do it because they want to, not because they have to. Does that make sense? We need this step in our process where we help each other obey Jesus. We can't leave that to chance. And so today, as I wrap this up, I want to ask you, are you following Jesus? Are you devoted to him? Are you developing in his likeness? Have you been deployed to obey and do his mission? Because believe it or not, that's what it's all about. You know, when we come to faith in Christ, you might say, well, nobody told me about that. I didn't sign up for that. I want to tell you something. When you come to Jesus and you get saved, the Bible says you've been bought with a price. You've been bought by his blood. You are now not your own. You belong to him. He is your Lord. He is your master, and you are the servant. And so when you and I follow Jesus, we're going to be devoted to him. Yes, Lord. Yes, sir. When you and I follow Jesus, we're going to look like him. We're going to be developed into his image. And when you and I follow Jesus, we're going to be deployed. We're going to be sent out to do his work and to do his mission. That's what God has called every one of us to do. And you know what? We're, we live in times now to where you can't assume that anymore. You can't assume that people know that. You can't assume that people understand that. You can't assume that people get that. But when you read the Word of God, that's exactly what Jesus says. He says, if you continue in my Word, if you love one another, if you bear fruit, then you really are my disciples, says Jesus. Today, you're going to have an opportunity to make a decision Maybe you've never took that first step to trust Jesus Christ. And we're going to give you an opportunity to make that first step. All you've got to do is trust and follow Jesus. Maybe you've already made that commitment in your heart to trust and follow Christ. And now you need to make that public through believer's baptism. And that's what believer's baptism is. It's for people who have already made a profession of faith in Christ. And now they're going public and they're identifying with Christ and his people. They go down in that water and they come back up. And guess what? It illustrates the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. And we are now dead to our old life. And we've been raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. Maybe God is calling you. If you've already said, you know, I've already been saved. I've already been baptized. Then maybe God is calling you 
to grow together, to get involved in a Sunday school class and grow to get together, do life together with other people. The same God that says love me says love one another. And then when you're ready, only when you're ready to take that next step, you're going to hear me talk more this year as we go through the calendar about D groups. And, uh, and just all I can say right now is be praying about it. Be praying that God would give you two or three people that you could preferably ask with the intention of meeting regularly to pray for one another and encourage one another and help one another obey Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.